Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. And it is a very exciting edition because there are a lot of exciting things happening in Philadelphia sports right now. Now, of course, we're going to talk about your 5-0 and Philadelphia Eagles. It is Dallas week. We have to talk about them. We're going to talk an awful lot about that. If I'm being honest, we probably won't get into too much Sixers and Flyers this week. And that is because your Philadelphia Phillies are not only in the NLDS, <laughs> but they are up one to nothing on the Atlanta Braves after a win Tuesday, 7-6. They sweat it out in the end, but they're up one nothing, And they have Zach Wheeler going in game two on Wednesday uh, evening, 4.30 start. Seamus, uh, I'm Paul Hudrick, by the way, because I'm so excited I forgot to introduce myself. Uh, Paul Hudrick, Seamus. Nice Kansi. to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> Seamus. We haven't talked since everything. And like you and I were so apathetic about the Phillies going down the stretch because it just felt like, all right, they're playing out the string. Probably gonna same make old, playoffs. same old. Right. Probably going to make the playoffs. Probably not going to probably going to not play a home game. Well, we're here now. They're going to play a home game. Uh, that's going to happen on Friday. They're going to play two. At, at, at minimum, they're going to play one. Yeah, they might play least, two. Right. Um, so just uh, take me through it for you. Emotion wise. Friday, <laughs> that insane win they, they score six runs in the ninth inning after not scoring any to the first eight win that game uh wheeler was great nola was great game two they shut him out two nothing sir anthony with a ridiculous um two batter sequence against you know strikes out goldschmidt and arenado back to back and now here we are they're up one nothing take what is the 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 emotional roller coaster for you over the last few days with the phillies that is what does it say about the Phillies? And I'm not just talking about baseball in general in Philadelphia, but this specific squad that the Eagles are 5-0, and the only undefeated team in the NFL, and they are playing at home this week against the Dallas Cowboys, who are also 4-1. Biggest NFL matchup of the week, maybe the biggest matchup this year so far with two teams that might be the two best teams in the NFC. The Cowboys at the link, we might be seeing this game on Sunday, and we might be seeing it the last week of January too, right? And every Philadelphia sports fan I know, all they want to talk about right now is the Phillies. Fightings. What a difference two weeks makes. Yeah, it's it's mind-blowing because I I felt it, um, you know, last week I talked about it. I felt when I saw them clinch, that made me that gave me something like I felt a, a little bit more juice. I felt like, all yeah. right, this is pretty cool. This is a cool moment. It was cool to see Reese Hoskins, you know, getting emotional, cursing on live TV. Amazing. You see Rob Thompson talking and you just someone lets out a big fuck. Yeah. And you're like, yes. OK, 
this is actually a lot of fun. I'm actually feeling good. I, I started thinking about, you know, because it had been so long since we'd experienced it. Yeah. I started thinking back to the golden era and I started thinking back to 2008 and guys, you know, dumping beers on each other and popping champagne bottles and wearing goggles and, you know, all the weird, goofy stuff that happens in locker rooms after guys win. And I'm, I gotta say, and some people maybe don't, there's probably, I'm sure, a lot of boomers who don't like how excited this team is getting and how much, but like, I love that they're having fun to me. Like, it, it's adding to it to me to see, you know, a guy like Kyle Schwarber, who's really, you know, all about his business and so focused and it's such a big year and is, you know, such a good leader and a winner and all that. But to see him pouring beers on himself while he's dancing after they beat the, the Cardinals, I'm like, yes, I love this. Like, this is this team is endearing itself more to me, I feel like, with that, with how much fun they're actually having. You even saw it today that just, you know, and, but there's also, I feel like, a balance, right? Like, they're, they seem like, okay, like, we know we it, there's still more to do. We still have more games to win, but I love the fun to me is contagious. Schwarber's a ham. Yeah. I like it. I like the energy. And you talk about them having fun, and I think that's definitely true. Look at where this team is today compared to where they were on June 3rd when they fired Joe Girardi. If you would have told me then, on June 3rd of this year, that – I will see two Phillies managers win playoff series in my life and that they will be Charlie Manuel and Rob Thompson. I would not have believed you for a single second. Yet a little over what has been four months now. That, that's true. It's insane. Uh, uh, rewarded with a very deserved uh, two-year extension as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, is a, which was very good news. And I'm sure that's like, I feel like that was well-timed by, by Dombrowski as well, right? Like, they win the series and it just almost gets guys even more fired up. Like, yeah, oh, yeah think, like, yeah, we, we did all this and now we got topper to your extension. Like, this is good. Like, I feel like it just, it just builds to that momentum and that excitement. I saw people I, saying that might have been like bad vibes, but I kind of like it saying, like, wow. you want us a playoff series? We haven't done this in 12 years. These guys support you and they know that you weren't the interim guy and they probably knew this whole stretch. Hey, if they don't make the playoffs, he's probably not. I'll come back. Hey, if they have a two-game sweep going against them, he might not be coming back. But to lead them to this, to lead them through all the adversity this year, from down in the dumps where they were when they fired Joe Girardi to now, is unfathomable. And a two-year contract, I think, is the least they could do right now. And I yeah. think it reassures him going out there. He's not second-guessing himself this other time. Obviously, Rob Thompson's been in baseball forever. He's worked with the Yankees. He's done a million things. So it's not saying he's this rookie manager who's a little nervous and unsure of himself. But he's human. People look over their backs all the time. He knows he was the interim manager. He knows that better than anyone. And to solidify that gives the locker room conference saying, hey, we already think he's their guy. He's been our guy this the last four months. He's really our guy now and going forward. Yeah, I think, it. like I said, and I something you and I discussed before when the Eagles were playing the Jaguars and we talked about Doug Peters and we talked about Nick Sirianni and just this idea of, coaches, managers, whatever that, that guy just want to play for. And I, I, it seems, you know, it, it's, you know, early in the guy's tenure, he's only been a manager for however many games, but it seems like Rob Thompson is a guy that these players really want to play for. And that's why I think that extension coming now, it's just going to add to the excitement. It's going to add to those players just really wanting to go out there and be like, all right, let's prove this right. Like let, let's, let's get, let, let we, we got our guy, this, this extension, Let's make this look like the, uh, a brilliant move. Like let, let's keep winning. And 
you know what else is delicious is the St. Louis Cardinals fans and the New York Met fans. Just their tears are delicious right now. Complaining about the playoff format, especially the Cardinals. I mean, dude, you didn't have to go on the road. You had three games at home and you couldn't win one. You don't deserve to be in the playoffs anymore. That's it. Like flat out. And, you know, the New York Mets, maybe there's like a little bit more of a gripe there. But at the same time, Max Scherzer gave up seven runs. Like you lost, man. Like it's just and to me, too, especially with Cardinals, I would say, because 2011, you know, I don't think you guys were feeling too bad about the playoff format then, were you? When you beat a Philly team that set a franchise record and wins. And I think they were an 86 win team, too. Uh, I think was it that year? It might have been like two, whatever year it was. I, I think in like 2006 they won as that like an, that, yeah that they won a World Series as an 80 win team. So like, miss me with that, Cardinals fans. I'm sorry. Um, the teams that it, deserve to be in it are in it, and that is your Philadelphia Phillies and them beating the Atlanta Braves. They chat. They chased Max Freed after three and a third. Three and a third. Now, don't get me wrong. Ranger Suarez wasn't very sharp. I think he walked five. He only goes a three and a third. But if I had, if I was predicting coming into the game, which pitcher I thought would go longer, certainly I would have had my money on Max Fried. Um, and then, I, I, you know, of course, you and I always believed in Nick Castellanos. Uh, we, we never had a doubt. Never a doubt. Always thought, yes, Nick Castellanos is worth every penny of this $20 million contract. Totally. Um, but no, I mean, listen, Nick Castellanos, what a day. Three for three, three RBIs. I saw he did not have a three-hit, three-RBI game this entire season. Um, hell of a time to do it, bud. I mean, hey, uh, if you're going to do it, the, the you know first game of the NLDS is a great time to do it. And then also down the line, you know, Sir Anthony Dominguez. Dominant yes. two innings, just ridiculous. Um, Top of the order down. Th- they went one through six in those two innings and got them all out. And those are guys, their contracts aren't that big because of the way they're – doing all that crazy stuff down in Atlanta with the, these <laughs> contracts are locking in these tricking these players into, but uh, big names for sure. Down that line. Great and players. Yeah. Cunha. He was good. Yeah. Um, I am. I will say the only the things I am concerned about, or maybe, maybe really honestly, the thing um, I don't believe Zach Eff- Eflin is a closer. No, he's definitely not. And you know, it rough in, in obviously the first game against the Cardinals, uh, okay, I guess you would say the second game against the card. I think he even gave up a run in that performance as well. Um, gives up the home run to Matt Olson ninth, which makes us all sweat uh, uh, through our shirts, and it was not very fun in that ninth inning. But uh, they got through it. They win, and I, like I already mentioned, they got Zach Wheeler going game two. What do you do with the bullpen? I, I guess is my question. Like, what, you know, you Sir Anthony pitched two innings. I. I don't know if you want to go back to him again. Alvarado was really good. I imagine he is, is good to go for um, for uh, uh, Tuesday's game as well. But or excuse me, Wednesday's game. I don't even know what day it is. Um, Wednesday's game you, as well. I, I imagine we'll see Alvarado back. What do you do otherwise, though? Um, where do you go? Does Brad, you get Brad Hand back in there? He pitched OK. I kind of like Sir Anthony as this high leverage guy. Yes. More so than the traditional closer on that's That's, I guess, more of a new school thing. I'd rather have a guy go two innings in the seventh and eighth, one through six, and take care of them, right? Rather than the alternative of saying, hey, we're saving Sir Anthony for the ninth. And by the time the ninth inning comes, that 
three, two lead is now a five, three deficit and him closing in that situation isn't even uh, feasible, but I don't think Eflin's the guy he hasn't done it a lot in his career. Right. Uh, that was his end of the regular season was his first official save, right? First Correct. save ever. He has one save to his name, which that's fine. Like Brett Myers, who uh, world of issues, but you know, he became a, he was a starter who struggled that year in 2007 and, you know, closes out, has that final out, uh, you know, game 162 to clinch the NLE. So he, there's precedent there of God Phillies trying things out, obviously in a different era, but uh, I'm not, I'm not too sure about this one. Yeah. And you know, uh, the Robertson about- thing screws them. Cause oh it's, it's God. not, it's not as much about him specifically. It's about the trickle down effect. We're going to have to use other guys more and you're going to have to use this guy more. You're going to have to yeah. use this guy out of his spot. Now you're using Connor Brogdon who just got shellacked. Yes, he did. And that's, and that's, you're right. If it, which by the way, if you didn't hear, I think if you're a Phillies fan, you've heard Dave Robertson's not going to be in the NLDS hurt his calf jumping up and down for a Bryce Harper home run, which I got to be honest with you. I, Hey, I got pretty excited too when he hit that home run. So I can't really uh, fault the guy too much, but yeah, you're right. The trickle down effect. And that's felt today because you could have just gone to Robertson there in the ninth. Um, you could use Robertson Wednesday, it, 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 you know, in the eighth, ninth, whatever, if you had him. But I, you touched on a really good point, and I think it's it goes back to something with 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 Rob Thompson that I got to give him credit for. For a guy who's been around the game so long, and who is kind of like this old school guy, he does use the leverage guy, right? Like he doesn't have yeah. the traditional bullpen roles. Like if there's a big spot, he goes to the, his best reliever. If he's got to get you know the top of the order, the middle of the order, like he he goes with his best pitchers in that spots, you know, regardless of the inning. Um, so I give him credit for that, and I agree. I think. I think Sir Anthony and Alvarado, I like both in those kind of situations. And but I'm I might if it plays out similarly similarly to what it did today, I would probably go Brad Hand um, because this is a guy who's tomorrow, got experience. Instead, if if it's you know a seven three game in the ninth, is that what you're saying tomorrow? You would go ahead. yeah something or, or if it's I a would. Situa- where, you, where yeah. you've, you've already used Sir Anthony, you've already used Alvarado. You probably can't go tomorrow, right? You would think. I, I would assume Sir Anthony can't go tomorrow. So I mean, you really, I mean, you really hope Wheeler. Can I mean, you're going to need him like, Friday either way, right? And you might as well give him a two day rest right off the yeah. two innings. So if you if you can avoid using him at all costs, I think that's the move. But um, but really, I have I have Alvarado and I have Brad Hand, who I might trust. Other than that, I don't really trust anybody. Um, Would you have thought about Syndergaard as a kind of a long man style? Reliever? I actually, you you know, you say that. I actually thought he should have gone to Syndergaard instead of going into the into like I get I I think he, so. I'm good with him going Bilotti for that inning just to get out of that inning to yeah. throw a reliever in there. But yeah, when, when I would have not gone to Brogdon, I would have started Syndergaard. Would any Philly fan out there start. want them to go to Brogdon? No, I yeah. mean it's a very fair point. Um, I don't want to crush Rob Thompson for too, too much because I feel like he's pressed so many good buttons, including Correct. starting Veerling and Sosa today with, with against a tough lefty. Sosa comes up with a big hit. He has a sacrifice. Fly. What a pickup credit to the front office. The most unheralded move they have had with all these big names on this team, the big free agents on things they have uh, that just small move in the middle of the summer playing huge, paying huge dividends right now. The margins are such a big thing that gets lost, I feel like, with, with teams that are really good. But I think yeah. that's one sh- really big strength of Dombrowski. Uh, I mentioned Bilotti. Who that Bilotti didn't pitch from like 2015 until last year, was cut by the Marlins, 
Here he is pitching in the postseason LDS game one and did fine. He got through it. Um, and again, a guy like a Brad hand who has been around, who's closed a lot of big games, struggled really poor, really at the end of uh, really with the nationals, but then was fine. Otherwise last year, um, really when he wasn't pitching against the Phillies, he was fine last year, but all those little margin moves add up. Alvarado was a guy they got in like a nothing trade. I think that was for Helixson. I think with the Rays, it was like a nothing yeah. trade. You get Alvarado and now look what he's become. Um, so I mean, just uh, Garrett Stubbs, a the guy they found at the street has been a solid backup catcher. Uh, it's just, uh, those are the kind of moves that I think can separate, you know, not only a playoff team from a non-playoff team, but then also a team that can go forward is that depth and, and adding those pieces on the margins. Uh, so let's look ahead to games. Oh, so I will say bit. this. Yes. One quick, we are a world away from the seventh, eighth, ninth inning of JC Ryan Madsen and Lynch, right? That feels oh, yeah. like an eternity ago in terms of both the setup of this team, the construction of this team, the, the idea of bullpen usage in the MLB at large, I mean, ideally, you have three unbelievable relievers, and you can just do that. But it's it's unfeasible, it seems. Hey, put the, some respect the Phillies on Scott do Harris have, name. Yeah, Scott I'd say Harris they have really one really good guy, or one pretty good guy at least, in Sir Anthony. Alvarado is a guy I would be comfortable with them putting out there in a high leverage situation, and Robertson would be a guy that say probably you know coin flip. You'd rather have him out there than some of the alternatives. Yes. And when you're losing your third best reliever, like I said, the trickle down effect. Now your fourth best reliever has to be that take one step up and so on and so forth. And you're in a situation where Connor Brogdon is bleeding runs in a playoff game. You're thinking, how the hell did we get here? Yes, uh, very much so. But yeah, I, 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 I trust Alvarado. We had a shaky start, obviously give it the home run against the Cardinals, but I think, I think he kind of settled in since then. I think he's looked pretty good. His last two appearances. I think Sir Anthony, his confidence right now, I, I feel really good about him. Um, you know, the two innings today, striking out Goldschmidt, Arenado in that spot. I feel like his whatever he just I feel like for him it wasn't a physical thing. Obviously, he came back from the injury, but I feel like he just needed mentally to get sharp again. So I feel like perhaps he's there. I feel very good about him. And then Robertson's the other guy you mentioned. Outside of that, yeah, I, I'm not feeling great about anybody. So you definitely need length out of Zach Wheeler. And that's where I was gonna go next. Game two in Atlanta. Your best pitcher on the mound. You have a shot to seal two games in Atlanta. How do you feel about it? What do you think is going to happen in game two? Who's on the mound for Atlanta? Uh, I didn't know that. It's uh, oh, um, Kyle Wright, the guy who uh, he led okay. the National League in wins this year with 21. Oh, wins don't matter. Let's go full advanced stats and just just minimize any of his talent fake right stats. there. Fake stats. Uh, I mean, someone else has to step up, right? Reese went one for four and he kind of breaks his cold streak and Bryce is heating up. Uh, you know, right on voice.com today to my instant observations from the game. Obviously, Castellanos was incredible and having him having any semblance of a hot streak when he didn't really, there was no like this one period where he had a great like three week stretch, a good 15 game stretch. None of that happened this year. He was one of the worst players in Major League Baseball. And in my observation, I wrote, you can erase everything that happened this regular season with a strong postseason performance. Like if right now he's the MVP of the game, they don't give out NLDS MVP awards, but he'd be in a line to win that right now. And just having a random guy step up, Bryce, very quiet game, excellent game. And something that should be a confidence booster for, not just, not specifically for him, it's, he's Bryce freaking Harper. But the fan base to say, hey, we're having these other guys, these low-level guys step up, so to speak, the guys at the bottom of the order, especially against St. Louis. And then we have Bryce 
finally gets that home run against the Cardinals in game two, really sets things off. Comes down here, he goes, he had three hits today or reached base three times, I think. Three for three with a walk. Three for three with a walk, yeah. Uh, has a run scored. And if you have the reigning nationally MVP healthy again after some times where he was missed a bunch of time this year and then his September and October coming backwards struggles, and that's understandable. But he's hitting like this. You have maybe the best power hitter in the National League on this team. You have Kyle Schwarber, who hasn't been playing great either, but then there's the, the law of average, you have to say. There has to be some positive regression there for him. So I don't know who steps up. I think they win. I think they win in three, which is really easy to say when it's one nothing and you the team has stolen home field advantage, so to speak. Yeah. But. Could you imagine? Oh, if they win imagine three, go, I have a ticket for Thursday or for Friday. Woo, imagine walking fun. into that stadium around up four two. o'clock if they're up 2 0. That's yeah. I, listen, I'm going to be enjoying it from the comfort of my my couch. But if they're up 2 0, yeah, I, I, it's going to be and I'm going to be a nervous wreck for nine straight innings if that's the case. But and, and you're going with Aaron Nola in, in that game, too. So you have a hell of a shot to win. Um, it's it, pitching defense um, basically like, all the dumb shit. I feel like they did during the regular season. We were like, oh, my God, does this seems serious. They're not doing any of that. Alec Bohm has suddenly learned how to play excellent defense. Um, they're they're doing all the little things, which uh, even today, like the way uh, the, with Sosa sacrifice fly, you had um, I I can't think of the exact sequence. It was Segura hit a double, hit a double, Veerling bunts him over. Yeah, Sosa hits a sack fly. Th- this version of the Phillies is not the same version we saw for for 162 games. Like this is, we saw it at times, I suppose, but. They are really focused. They are really dialed into what they have to do. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I do with Zach Wheeler on the mound. I think they go up to nothing coming back to Philadelphia with a really good chance to sweep them with Aaron Ola on the mound in game three. The Phillies have had the gr- three greatest defensive third baseman of all time. Michael Jack Schmidt, Scott Rowan, and now Alaphone. <laughs> Case shut right there. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about the Eagles. We're going to take a quick break, but I definitely want to talk about your Philadelphia Eagles that are 5-0 that are somehow getting pushed to the background during Dallas week. It's insane. Um, but yeah, we're going to take a quick break here on the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. We'll be right back with more after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we wrapped up our Phillies conversation. Now we got to dive into some Eagles. They are 5-0. and They beat the Arizona Cardinals. It wasn't pretty. Uh, you know, they, they wound up having a really good drive to end the game, uh, getting a field goal out of it. Digger the kicker, baby. Uh, closing it out for them. Making some big kicks. I mean, it, did you, you think gotta, he was making that 23-yard field goal? Did I think he was? Yeah, I, I actually did. Oh, no. Be- only no. only, <laughs> only no because way. he looked he, – the two kicks that he made – like. His extra points and his other field goals looked like good. They were like, shorter they than an extra point, right? Yeah. So I mean, they looked sure. Like they looked, they those kicks looked really good. So like I felt like I was like, all right, this guy actually looks pretty good. Unlike the Cardinals replacement kicker who looked awful. Um, and hey, imagine if they had the signings had swapped Oof. in that week because they were using a replacement kicker too for Matt Prater's injury. The right. Cardinals kicker they have to use Matt Amendola. Imagine if the Birds signed Matt Amendola and the Cardinals had signed Cameron Dicker. Credit to Howie Roseman and his and his staff for Howie finding again. for finding the better replacement kit on the margins, man. On the margins, that's how you win games. Um, but listen, it, it wasn't pretty by any means. They wound up winning twenty to seventeen. Uh, Jalen Hurts was was good, not great. Um, the running game was was, it was certainly down the stretch. That last drive was excellent. Um, the scheme was weird, right? Then yeah. there's a knowledge difference. There's a gap there between us, these just normal people shooting the shit sure. and what they're seeing, right? So the prevalence of those screens, those wide receiver screens they kept running, mystifying to me. I uh, think maybe some uh, the coordinators probably spoke at the NovaCare complex today. I wasn't there, so I can't speak to what they possibly said. But they had to have seen something in the defense. I'm talking specifically offensive coordinator and play calling Shane Steichen and then Nick Sirianni kind of in that brain trust too. What was up with the coverage that they were doing that specifically? Was there an issue with A.J. Brown? I was wondering if A.J. Brown was hurt because of the ways they weren't really targeting him at all. It felt akin to the conversation we had in week one where they weren't using Devontae Smith and then people freak out. And then the next week, Devontae goes off and he's unbelievable. And I'm sure next week, I, I wouldn't be surprised that it's Nick Sirianni-led team. They're going to force feed him the ball and the bright lights of prime time. His first game is against Dallas. We know Eagles legends are made against Dallas. And he seems to be, as we've said, that that evolutionary, the next T.O. for this organization. Mm. We know T.O.'s first game against the Cowboys was also in primetime Monday Night Football. They had that insane, wild, would never be shown on TV, uh, little promo with him and the, the woman from Desperate Housewives. That's absolutely – Nicolette go, Sheridan, go. I believe. If, you're, if, you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Terrell Owens, Monday Night Football, Desperate Housewives, and you will see something absolutely friggin' insane that I can't believe was on television. <laughs> anyway <laughs> – A.J. Brown, that's where stars are born on primetime, specifically for Eagles fans and the way they look at the, the lure of the franchise against Dallas. So I think he's going to be involved. I don't know if Nick Sirianni be walking around with a beat Dallas shirt. In terms of the conversation around the team, I am not starting something. I don't believe this way as someone who follows and watches the team and covers them as a media member. But if people are, like, bored with having a 5-0 and team, again, I'm not <laughs> trying to stir the prod. I'm not saying that that's the true. But the, the discourse around him is it just – Philly's man is exploding and the city is just so happy that they have a playoff baseball team for the first time in forever. And one that can, is actually making noise and looks like 
they really might go to the National League Championship Series, and then anything could happen from there. But the Eagles are 5-0, and and I feel like the if the Game 7 of the World Series was the same game as an Eagles-Cowboys game, no matter the Eagles' record in October, that would get more hype in the city. But I feel like that's not the case right now, and I'm just wondering think, what it was. that. Yeah. Like Again, not stirring the pot, not saying it like that. I don't no, think that's necessarily you. the case. But it just seems like this – people are like, oh, they won. <laughs> and like, it was that simple, right? I think it is a combination of everyone was still feeling the euphoria of the – of the night before are the Phillies winning. I think that was a big part of it. I think the, I, I don't like the four thirty start too. I feel like throws people off. It's a little funky. Yeah. Um, it's for a West me, Coast it was a game. Funky. It was a boring game because of the offensive yeah. thing, right? They win, but it's an ugly win and, and not an ugly one in the sense of the way week four might've been where they were had to come back and it was rainy and literally ugly outside. Uh, but it wasn't a big offensive explosion and it didn't necessarily ended up not needing to be for them to get the W. But I think if it's a situation where they win 34 20 and Jalen Hurts has two more rushing touchdowns and rushes for four touchdowns in the game, we're talking about it a different way, right? Maybe. Yeah. I, I do think people got spoiled with having an offense yeah. that was the best in the league and now they're just pretty good instead of unbelievable for one specific week. And it's, ah, we need to get, we need to get these red pinstripe guys in here. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, th- I, I think winning ugly actually shows the character shows like character. Shows yeah, I think it's, it's big it's for them. I'm not saying it's a good team. A, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a positive for the team. I think yeah. some people are like looking at the national media, maybe dropping in some power ranking this week. Oh, the Eagles won ugly against an okay team. Like, Hey, that's a road game. People saying the Cowboys are better now. I've seen that. That's a out there. time change game going West coast. That's a, that was a friggin' hell house. Yeah. That stadium for this franchise They've never won in that specific stadium before, and they haven't won in Arizona at all since 2001. The other thing to point Give out, too. credit for that. I don't care yeah. if it's ugly. A lesser team is losing. A lesser quarterback than Jalen Hurts isn't leading that final drive, even if it doesn't show up as a touchdown pass or touchdown run for him in the end. Uh, uh, to, to what you said earlier, and, uh, and also like to give the Eagles more credit, um, no Jordan Mailata. Um, Jason Kelsey. No Jason Kelsey missed a, a good chunk. Um, there was that weird thing with Opeta, like where he played and then like Dickerson, well, Dickerson just... came in and out like a couple of times, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that was like, almost like maybe like, Hey, like we really need to, we really need this drive. So Dickerson's just going to like kind of suck it up and play, which I mean, I don't know if I love that when you're, you know, playing pretty good football and it's so early in the season. Yeah. Um, so no, the snap counts are weird from that regard, but the point being, and I, I think that, but I, to your earlier point, I think that might've been part of the offensive strategy is I think there was a, the, the Cardinals were certainly bringing a lot of pressure. I felt like, and I think their defensive scheme was very good too. Yeah. I think oh yeah. Absolutely. They're they have some really good players on that defense too. Um, they have some playmakers on that side of the ball. Um, even though they haven't gotten also a great start as, as a team in that regard, but they're, but yeah. Um, and that's the other thing too. I think and other people underestimate this. You're some of the other things you mentioned, it's not to make an excuse, but it's just reality. You're a four and football team. You're traveling on the West coast. You're a little dinged up. Um, you're playing in an Arizona team. That's two and two. That's hungry as hell, right? Like they're two and two. They, they want to win. They're trying to get back into, like they're trying to get back into this thing. So they're giving you their best shot. They you're an undefeated team coming to their house. They're giving you everything they got. So I think that's a factor too. Um, but yeah, and it, it, I think what different like we talk about what separates like the good teams and the bad teams or whatever the mediocre teams, however you want to phrase it. The Eagles find the better replacement kicker. 
Jalen Hurts gets his team in position to kick the field goal at the end of the game. Kyler Murray has a pretty bad gaffe. Slides before the first down marker. Screws the, you know, kind of screws up the timing wise of that. It's fourth down. They have to kick it right then. And a guy who clearly was struggling to kick the football. If you slide and get that first down, you, you can spike it. You have a couple more downs. It changes things, right? So um, I, I, that kind of late game execution yeah, like it, it doesn't show up in a, in a box score. And yeah, it's, it's yawn. It's not that super exciting to talk about, but that's a difference. That's the difference between a team that's five and oh and a team that's two and three. Those little things that they do um, make the difference to me. Jalen Hurts would never do that. I will say our, our own <laughs> Jenny dove, Phillyvoice.com was at the stadium and said there was a scoreboard error that appeared after Murray had that slide. The scoreboard had read first and 10, even though the referees didn't move the chains. Hmm. So that person is probably fired, unfortunately, <laughs> after one simple mistake. We all make mistakes at our jobs. I do all the time. Human. Uh, so I feel bad for that person, but that probably cost them the game. I don't think Kyler is snap is is spiking it right there. They're taking another three seconds to change something out and run a play. I don't know. Uh, either way, have to have the situational awareness to get that extra two yards for the first down. That's on yes. him. He knows where the first down marker is. I know there isn't, it's not in real life where they have the yellow line right there, <laughs> all nice and pretty for everyone. But he's an NFL quarterback and a super, supremely talented one at that. He should know where the first down marker is. And regardless if he wants to spike it or not the next play, he should get the extra yard on second down and ensure that they're getting a new set of downs. And I, I'm the biggest proponent of get down slide, don't dive ahead. But in the fourth quarter with like 30 seconds left. If you're ever going to dive, the line, that's the time to dive. That's the time to dive. Right. Like any other time I'm, I'm with you, Kyler, get out of bounds, protect yourself. Like, seriously, like, I, I really mean that. Like I, I, I love Jalen hurts and I love that he fights with those extra yards and he plows into defenders and he's so, he's so strong. His lower half is so damn strong. Um, and, and he wants to get every yard, but sometimes I'm like, ah, man, I really wish you would slide more. Um, but yeah. And that, if you're ever going to do it, that was the one. Let's look ahead. Um, well, actually, one one more thing I'm going to touch on, just because I want to give the, the give the guy credit. Dallas Goddard, eight catches, ninety five yards. This guy's having a Pro Bowl season. Um, he's, was he's his best game a, as an Eagle. He's having a hell well, of on a that game. drive. I think it was a third and sixteen. He caught a pass down the seam on that final drive where the Eagles took the go ahead field goal. Huge. Play. That was one of the biggest plays of his career. That he's made the yeah. season for sure. I think he. Yeah. Uh, he might have had a touchdown in the double joint games. I don't want to say the best, the biggest game of his career, but the most complete game of his career, maybe. Uh, yeah. He is blossoming before his eyes. And there was this joke before that, uh, you know, Zach Ertz, unbelievable franchise legend, Super Bowl hero, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't the best tight end on the team, even when he was tight end one because of the presence of Dallas Goddard. And again, they are two completely different types of players. Yeah. I feel it's weird to even say they're position players. Zach Ertz is just a big slot. He's a big slot receiver. That's what he is. And he was damn effing good at it. Yep. And came up in some of the clutchest moments in Eagles history. But Dallas Goddard is like an MF in tight end. He is going to hit you in the mouth blocking. And he can catch. And he can he can rack up yak, which Zach Noah, Noah Yak uh, Ertz did all that never did. Uh, and again, two different set of players. And they kind of inevitably they're going to be compared together forever, even though, again, I feel like they're not even really playing the same position. Yeah. But unbelievable. They have three. And I feel like saying Pro Bowl is fine. Sometimes I feel finicky saying Pro Bowl. Like, is that meaningless in the NFL? But I say it too. But in theory, they have three Pro Bowl caliber pass catchers out there. Yeah. Between him, Smith, and of course, A.J. Brown, who we talked about a lot today. Yeah. Uh, 
and with Goddard, I think uh, I can't remember what game it was ahead of, but apparently at one point, Tony Gonzalez said he believes that Goddard's going to become like the yes. best tight end in football, which from the best tight end of all time. Is they can't get much higher praise than that. Well, Gronk, but yeah, I mean, whatever sure. But still, idea. I mean, you know, if, as far as analysis goes, I think I trust Tony Gonzalez more than Gronk, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, um, I think that's a, that's a different conversation for sure. <laughs> I'd rather, t- I'd rather have Tony Gonzalez's take on the modern side and then Gronk, though I think uh, Gronk higher peak, Gonzalez has the longevity. Is how I was there saying. it is. I like that's one A, one B, whatever. One has the yeah. peak, one has the longevity. But still, just high praise coming from um, such a high caliber player. It's wild to, that he he said that. I mean, I don't think he said it in jest. I think he, he meant it. No, he uh, wasn't joking around. He yeah. clarified it later and he was saying, like, he meant it more in a complete way. Whereas, I mean, Kelsey's a Hall of Famer, but he's more of like yeah. a receiver type tight end. Goddard's in everything tight ends. Yep. And even a guy like Waller, you know, Wall. I mean, you know, he constantly gets hurt though, too. Unfortunately, I should know. He's, he's, he's a little more receivery team, too. Yeah, he's definitely more he's, on the receiving side. Yeah, he he's better as a blocking tight end than most tight end two and tight end threes who are specialist blocking tight ends. Yes, and he also happens to be one of the most efficient pass catchers of any tight end outside of the the Kelsey range. Probably, you know, he looks like George. He looks like what twenty nineteen George Kittle out there. Mm. but also being kind of the third offensive tackle in the run game. Yeah. And I feel like no, I'm gassing him up too much, but no, it's fair. The, the numbers are there. The, it yeah. matches the eye test and the numbers test. You look at some of the advanced next gen stat stuff, uh, yards per target are some of the best in the league, not just best for tight ends, best in the league overall for any pass catcher. And we all thought it was kind of weird. Maybe the Eagles, their first pick after the Super Bowl, they trade back and they get a tight end from South Dakota state in the second yeah. round. You know, you have the presence of Zach Ertz here, and Ertz was still a big figure. You know, in 2018, Ertz sets the franchise record for catches in the season. That has the franchise has the NFL record for catches for a tight end this season. Uh, I think he lead the led the league in catches that year overall for any uh, pass catcher. And still, you know, a couple of years later, Ertz is on the other sideline, and it was without a doubt the right move to move Ertz last year, both for his sake and the own team's sake. Gave Goddard a chance to finally blossom, and he was awesome down the stretch last year, even if the Eagles weren't throwing as much as they were to begin the season. And now, after a half a season as the true, true, true tight end one, Goddard is on the trying to become the true tight end one of the entire NFL. Wild. It's wild. And I, I love them coming out, too. I mean, I used to really do a lot of NFL I loved him as a rookie. Like, day. Yeah, he just seemed but... like the perfect tight end. And I was someone who was eating up all the 12 personnel bullshit, and that didn't yeah. really work out. <laughs> uh, but if you're playing 11 personnel and you have an extra – you have a guy who's both a receiver and an offensive tackle out there in Dallas Goddard, you're going to have a lot of mismatches, and they're all going to be in your favor. Speaking of mismatches, uh, what are we looking for Sunday night at the link? Cowboys in town. What are we looking for? And what do we think prediction wise? What do you think is going to happen? I'm looking at the Jordan Maylotta situation. Mm. Cowboys pass rush probably overall has been the best in the NFL this season. Micah Parsons, unfortunately for Eagles fans, is probably going to have a couple of defensive player of, of the year awards under his name by the end of his career. And he's going to do that with a star in his helmet. And I worry, I think Lane Johnson is the most underrated football player I've maybe ever seen. Fair. But I wonder what's going to happen at left tackle. And they could put Parsons wherever on that defense, I think, and succeed. But the situation where Jack Driscoll's out there, not just Parsons, but the whole defense itself. The defense is the strength of this team right now. Cooper Rush is treading water better than I expected to him. 
credit for him. The idea of a quarterback controversy is outrageous. I'm sure you would think that too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, yes. please, please, start yes, Cooper yes, Rush. Yes. Get, get rid of Dak Prescott and get yeah. ahead of him go to a team in the AFC and let Cooper Rush be your quarterback. I'm sure yeah. Eagles fans would love that. <laughs> but it's Eagles offense versus Dallas defense is where this game's won to me. And if you have Trayvon Diggs versus A.J. Brown, it's going to be a chippy battle. It's going to be an entertaining battle. But I think A.J. Brown gets the best of them. I think it's an Eagles win. I think this line is pretty fair. Uh, last I saw was Cowboys plus five and a half. I think that's a line that's intentionally made for the the general fan and the you know Dallas betting public to hop on there. I think that will happen. I think you're going to see that line skid as we get closer and closer to the game. Maybe it's still at four and a half or four. But I do think the birds prevail. I'm with you. I, I think Mylotta's injury is what is what scares you more than anything. Because even a healthy Jordan Mylotta, Michael Parsons is still going to be a handful. Yeah, like it, it's a miss. Like great. I think Mylotta is a future All Pro. Maybe he's, but he's not there right this second. Yeah. And that's a mismatch on anyone, anyone. And I'm not saying he, that he's going to exclusively rush on that side of the line. Yeah. But uh, it's crazy because the Cowboys fell ass backwards and using him as a pass rusher. They drafted him to be like an off-ball linebacker. And then they, they just kind of realized through injuries that had to play him elsewhere. And they're like, oh, this guy's actually just Lawrence Taylor. So let's <laughs> yeah, use him like that. Like, okay, that great, comparison's so wild, but it's but It's, it's also true, though. There's never been wild. a player this know, young in this style it's as crazy. a linebacker. Like Lawrence Taylor is really the first linebacker that was rushing the pass like that. Yeah. And can and still do everything else in coverage. He could do he everything do else. Every, yeah. yeah. It's he's wild. Just, he's the best. He's, he's, he's fan. the best defensive player in the NFL. Like, that's it. Like, like bar none. And I, I but I, that's why I think, yeah, my lot of health is going to be so, so, so important. They're going to have to scheme that up. Well, right? the, the Cardinals did well blitzing Hurts. And that wasn't much about yes. Hurts. It's they were using a makeshift banged up line. You're missing left tackle through center at one point. It's hard yep. for any team to succeed, but especially one that's built around the strength of the offensive line, it's going to be difficult. And maybe that's why they were going with the screens. They were bringing the blitz, but they're going to need more than just getting a bunch of guys in Jalen Hurts' face and him dumping off on a screen to Devontae Smith for two yards. That can't <laughs> be the offense on Sunday night. No. And I, I, I do think it's fair to one. I do think it's fair to wonder where was AJ Brown and if something was going on. I, there I don't know if he was and, maybe hurt. And I'm not saying yeah. like, oh, he's not doing well. He must be hurt. It wasn't one of those no, things. No, I was no, like, I get, no. is there something off there that we don't know? I feel like they didn't want to make him go back to like just just hype like hypothetically. Oh, he's not injured enough to go back in the locker room. We're trying to have him hang here. Like yeah. situation calls for. Let's get him out there. But we don't really know right. what to do right now. Right. No, I'm with you. Um. So, yeah, but I think he's got to be a much bigger part of the offense. I think they got to get the run game going a, a little bit more. I mean, it towards like, again, towards the end of that Arizona game, I thought that was kind of the best um, the best antidote there for the blitzing. I thought kind of catching them in those blitzes and running, I, I thought worked out really well. And that's the strength of your team. The strength of your team is the offensive line if you're all healthy. Um, so run the football. I know Dallas is really good deep. They're really good. Um, really, I mean, they, they – they're good on each level of their defense. They're just a good team. A complete defense um, is, is was what I was looking for there. Um, so it's going to be a really difficult matchup. And like you said, I think that's where it comes down to, because I think the Eagles defense, I trust them to keep Cooper rush in check at home. I feel really good about that, but, um, but overall I do. I, I think the Eagles win. If I had to put a prediction score on it with my, with my lot of in, I like something like, 30 17 with my lot of out. I like something much closer, more like 24 21 or 24 20. I'm or saying 21 like 20. I haven't had my official prediction up on affiliatevoice.com yet this week, but I'm going Eagles 21 20. And 
I think they're reluctant to do it. And I don't know why. Again, not an NFL offensive play caller. I'm a guy talking on their internet. So some people yes. know more than I do. But I do more under center play action with Jalen Hurts. Hmm. I think, I don't want to say it's gotten stale, but I would see less of the like the true RPO read option type stuff of him in the gun with, with Sanders next to him or whatever backs next to him. I think some more true old school play action and play action shouldn't be considered an old school thing over the last handful of years, really, uh, you know, the Shanahan McVay sort of coaching tree has really emphasized under center play action and it's led to some of the most efficient passing offenses and performance in the NFL over the last half dozen years. So I'd be looking to run more stuff like that. I think that frees up some of those guys who could really run deep. I think it keeps the defense more honest because of how talented and how successfully Miles Sanders has been playing this year. It speaks to the talent of this offensive line in the running game. And I think it could be a situation where it still gives Ertz, or Hurts, I should say, optionality to either throw it, uh, dump it off, or maybe take it and tuck it himself. I am very much looking forward to this game. There's nothing much more exciting than Eagles, Cowboys, Sunday Night Football. Um, I'll be down there at the link uh, up in the press box. My first Eagles, Cowboys game Ooh, that's gonna as a media fun. member. That's going to be fun. I'll be I'm slightly fun. jealous. Um, normally, listen, we're going to talk a lot of uh, Sixers and we're going to talk Flyers at, at certain points on this podcast, but um, not today because <laughs> there's just too much going on um, in, in, in Phillies and Eagles. And, and so, listen, we're, you're going to get your fix. Tyrese Maxey is... Is him. If he scores 20 points a half, uh, the Sixers might win a lot of games. I, I do think that will be the case. Um, and I've been I, weary of unleashing this take on Twitter. Oh. But I'll drop it on here. Saving it on here. Love it. Yeah, I'll save it for here. Is Tyrese Maxey, based on where he was drafted, where he was projected to be, not being like an immediate starter his rookie year, looked at as immediately this franchise changer, had some other moving parts, had in former star there who was traded and his trade led to more usage for him, let him expand his role. Is Tyrese Maxine possibly not this player, but on the trajectory, the developmental trajectory of Stephen Curry? Oh, wow. The developmental track is there. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. The height isn't going to be there as the best player of all time. Sure. But this guy who is, maybe cast off ball too much, or, you know, he's sharing the back with Monta Ellis. He really isn't being utilized to the top of his compat, his, the top of his ability. And there's the carryover of him being used with Ben Simmons as a rookie. And he has to take a more of a role of the second year. And then he's not going to make 50% of his threes during the regular season, but he made what 40.3% last year. Does that sound about right? It was, it was over 41%. Actually, I think it was more okay. like 41.7 or something wild like that. But Again, yeah, maybe was, that's unsustainable. Good. Maybe he settles in at 38 at a higher volume. I'm good. But what's to that? say he doesn't get to 42 <laughs> at a higher volume? Who knows? I'm th- that the one is, thing. Tyrese Max is not going to be the best offensive player of all time, like Steph Curry might no. be. But I think we might be watching a player that we thought could be a very good NBA player turn into a guy who could maybe have one or two All NBA first team. I refuse to put a ceiling on him because every time we kind of do, it seems like he kind of exceeds it. So like yeah, I, I was thinking like oh he's he could be Tony Parker, right? I mean he's a better scorer than Tony Parker ever was right now. Tony Parker is yeah. a floor is a floor general has a lot of rings you could credit that. But the reason I compared him to Tony Parker initially was I wasn't confident in there being a consistent three point shot. That's why I also compared him to Steve Francis. But if you're giving Steve Francis to Tony oh, Parker Francis. shooting forty one percent from three, that's a wildly different player than they are 
normally or how they were when they played in their respective careers. Well, you heard it first on the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. Tyrese Maxey will become the greatest offensive player to yeah. ever play in the NBA. That's by Seamus Clancy. That's totally his take, and that's exactly what he said. I heard it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but listen, thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Hopefully, the next time we were talking to you, we were talking about a Philly sweep, and we were talking about an Eagles win over the Dallas Cowboys. And then, of course, we'll have a look ahead to the Sixers season, which will begin in earnest very, very soon. Oh, well, uh, for- next Tuesday is the Sixers season opener. So what do you want to do with that? Oh, I don't know. That's a good, we'll that's a good point. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure, figure it out. out. Yeah, I don't maybe know. Maybe we'll record f- Monday, maybe. Something. We'll yeah, figure we'll it figure all out. out. It'll, all, it'll all work itself out. I feel good about it. Um, but yeah, uh, for Seamus Clancy, I am Paul Hudrick, and we will talk to you next time.